Good morning, everyone. And welcome to our second in the series on Life Hacks. And we're talking today about how to forgive yourself. When I was about nine years old, uh, I was riding my bike along Henderson Highway. Uh, We lived on Coburg Avenue, and it's just about the place where Johnson uh, meets Henderson Highway. And we were not allowed to ride on the, actually on the street on Henderson Highway. We were uh, told that as children, we needed to ride on the sidewalk so that a car wouldn't hit us. Well, I was uh, riding along in front of those those shops there. You know where Johnson runs right into Henderson Highway? There's a, a, a row of some shops. And one of the shops there was a, a hairdressing salon. And I was, I was riding along there. And just as I was coming in front of that hairdresser's salon, and an older stout woman came out of the hairdresser's shop and uh, she didn't see me, I didn't see her, and I, I rode right into her and knocked her over. Isn't that awful? Imagine how I feel, Ray. I was so scared, so upset, that I, I just kept going. This was my first hit and run. <laughs> and I, I felt so, so horrible. I felt like it was like murder. It was like the worst thing that I could ever have experienced. And I have to say that that probably, my very first real experience with guilt. And, you know, I'd already become a Christian at a young age and is very much aware of my responsibility as a believer, but I felt so, so horribly guilty. And as I was riding away, I felt that I needed to turn back and own up to it. But when I got back... She wasn't there. I thought maybe she was died. <laughs> I would have taken her away. I didn't know what had happened to her. But I can tell you this. Here I am, 53 years old, and I can remember that moment as though it happened yesterday. Now, for some of you, 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 you kind of giggled and chuckled a little bit about me knocking over a, a, an elderly stout woman. But for me, it plagued me. It plagued me for months, maybe even years. And I would find myself going into prayer. And I, the, the image that would come to me, uh, to my mind, was of me knocking over a little old lady. I can tell you that I had a hard time forgiving myself. I had a hard time thinking that God could forgive me. I heard in my ears, not an audible voice, but definitely a voice that said, and you call yourself a Christian. How could you have done that? How could you have driven away? How could you have abandoned that old lady? And you know, because you of all, all of us, have experienced at some point in our life a time when we have failed, where we have messed up, where we've done something we shouldn't do, and we've been plagued by the memory of it. Life hacking is anything that solves an everyday problem in, a, in an inspired or an ingenious manner. And this summer, that's what we're doing. We're focusing on scripture that unlocks that good news about how to win at life. By the way, next week, we're going to be talking about how to share your faith with others, how to witness. But today, I want to talk about how to forgive yourself. I'm going to say that when we were sitting together as a staff discussing the life hacks that we would go through through the course of the summer, and if you were here last week, you know we talked about how to be happy, this one, the one we're mentioning today, is the one that, that was consistently at the top of the list of things that we absolutely had to discuss. It was something that really resonated with all the staff. 
How do we forgive ourselves? How do we get over that sense of guilt that plagues us? What do we do when we fail and we can't get over it? And the fact of the matter is, is that all of us here today, we have failed, we have sinned, we have weaknesses, we have perhaps let our spouse down, our husband or our wife, we've maybe let our children down, let our church down, our friends down, our boss, whatever. And we have a sense of regret, and we feel upset about it. Uh, you remember me telling you about Nicholas when we were doing the building program here. And I was here every day and every night, every day and every night for like a year and a half. And <laughs> you, you, you all remember this. I, when, I, when Nicholas was very upset and I wanted to encourage him and let him know that as his father I was in charge. He's nothing to worry about. I'm going to protect him. I'm going to provide for him. I'm going to take care of all his problems. And I picked him up and I said, Nicholas, do you know who I am? And I thought for sure, he said, yeah, you're my dad. But he said, no. He said, you're Pastor Allen. Now, that really was a wake-up call to me. In fact, I felt, I felt terrible after that. I felt a real sense of regret that I had somehow, in some way, let my son down. Well, guess what, folks? All of us are in the company of a great number of people who have let God down or let others down. I'm thinking of someone like Moses, who murdered someone and had to flee for his life. And plagued by the memory of the murder of that Egyptian, he really didn't think that he was the man that God could use to lead his people out of Israel. We think of, of David, who, whose sin was terrible. Again, adultery, murder. How could God ever use a man like this? Jonah, the prophet of God, refused to do what God asked him to do. And even after he did eventually do what God wanted him to do, he regretted it. He resented the fact that God showed forgiveness. There's Peter. Remember Peter who denied Christ? He promised Christ, Lord, even though everybody else is going to let you down, even though everyone else will fail you, I will never fail you. I'll never let you down. And of course, the apostle Paul all men who sinned greatly, all men who needed God's forgiveness, the thing that we discover about all these people that sinned and failed so greatly, every one of them was used by God in some way. And my prayer for you this morning is that as we look into this, that your heart would be relieved, would find a sense of relief from that thing that plagues you, that thing that causes horrible guilt, and that today you'd be free. And not just free, but that you discover the thing that God wants you to do. Because I know this about everyone here. Every one of us has our secrets. Every one of us has that thing that in our time of prayer, we hear Satan accusing us and reminding us and pointing to that failure, that weakness. But remember what I said last week, and I'm going to say it to you again. These life hacks, they're all about the gospel, all about the good news of Jesus Christ forgiving and giving you another chance. That, my friends, is what the gospel's about. So let's take a look at that this morning.
How can I forgive myself? Well, first of all, let me just give you some truth about forgiveness. I'm going to share with you some advice someone who struggled and found victory, who was able ultimately to forgive himself. It's the Apostle Paul. And everybody, if you've read the New Testament, you know the story of the Apostle Paul. Before he was the great Apostle Paul, before uh, he surrendered his life to Christ, before uh, he came face to face with Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul was a murderer. A lot of people don't know that about him. The Apostle Paul, the, the one who has penned and authored so many books of the Bible, before he was that man, that one so greatly used by God to plant churches all over the world, before he was the great Apostle Paul, he was the great, he was the great murderer. Before he was the traveling evangelist, he was the traveling murderer. Listen to this. I want to tell you, I just want to share with you the story of the Apostle Paul and his conversion. It's found in Acts chapter 9. And listen to this. It says, Meanwhile, Saul, also called Paul, was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. That's right. That's the Apostle Paul. You just can't imagine it. Eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest, and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, or that's another term for Christianity, the way. And uh, he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what to do. And the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. And Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Well, the rest of the story shares how, in fact, it was Ananias that came to him and prayed for him, and, and he was healed. And not just healed, folks, but he was called into the ministry. So here we have the greatest apostle, Apostle Paul, doing the very most for Jesus Christ, more than anybody else. And this after he had been going around murdering Christians and trying to close churches down. Now listen to how the Apostle Paul describes himself in 1 Corinthians 15.9. Listen to this. Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He says, I don't even deserve this privilege. I don't deserve this right. But the fact of the matter is, is that God forgave him. And every time he thought of how he didn't deserve to be forgiven, he was reminded that he was forgiven. And not just forgiven, but that he had a certain and a specific job to do. Now, can I just quickly point something out before we go any further? This is something every one of us needs to understand. Is that God just did not forgive you just to give you an easy conscience. He forgave you so that he could use you for some task. 
And it's critical to understand that. You need to get busy doing what God has called you to do if he has forgiven you. Now, before we go any further about self-forgiveness, I have a surprise for you. There's absolutely nothing in the Bible that specifically teaches us to forgive ourselves. Does that come as a shock to you today? You'll find no scripture on the subject. There is no doctrine of self-forgiveness. And you'll hear it all the time. You'll hear preachers preach about it all the time. You'll, I hear, this is something I hear all the time as a pastor myself. Pastor, how can I forgive myself? And I want to say, well, look, I don't have a short answer for this. Because there is no doctrine of self-forgiveness. There's nothing in the Bible that says, thou shalt forgive thyself. That is popular psychology. That is what you're going to hear on the secular positive thinking circuit, but you're not going to find that in Scripture. So Pastor Allen, what do I do then if I don't forgive myself? You know, the, the phrase forgive yourself, it's not even in the Bible. So what does Jesus teach then about forgiving ourselves? Well, first of all, he says what we need to do is we need to forgive others. He says that we need to ask God to forgive us. In fact, he teaches us that we need to put our faith in Jesus for his forgiveness. But nowhere does the Bible tell us to forgive ourselves. I'm going to tell you this right now. This might come as a shock to you. It really doesn't matter whether or not you forgive yourself. That's not the issue. That's not the point. That's not the teachings of Scripture. What matters is this. Does God forgive you? That's what matters. That is the bottom line. This is what Christianity is about, is whether or not God has forgiven you of your sins or not. And if you have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, and here's what I know that you have done. You have, in fact, surrendered your life to Christ. And you have discovered that when we talk about faith, what we mean by faith is this, is that I believe that Jesus has forgiven me my sins and has, in fact, taken away my sin. Do you get that this morning? It's absolutely critical that you understand that. What matters is not that you forgive yourself, but that God has forgiven you of your sin. This is what real faith is all about. It's not a faith in yourself. Because when you put your faith in yourself, what you're saying is this, is that it, the onus is upon me and my ability to live a righteous life. And the Bible is clear that there is none righteous. No, not even one. Pastor L, not even you? No, not even me. Ask my kids. Ask my wife. She's home at 11.15. There's none righteous. No, not even one. So the fact of the matter is, is that every one of us is in need of forgiveness. But what you need is not to forgive yourself, is that you need God to forgive you your sins. This is what Christianity is all about. Look at the scripture verse in 1 Timothy 1.15. The apostle Paul says this, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to, to do what? 
to save sinners. And here's, here's what Paul says, of whom I am the worst. So Paul recognizes right here in his letter to his young protege, Timothy. Remember, Timothy is a student of Paul. Paul is, is, is Timothy's mentor. And the, the older t- uh, Paul is confessing to the younger Timothy. Remember, Timothy looks up to Paul. I mean, Paul is his hero. Paul, Timothy wants to grow up and be exactly like Paul. And Paul says this to his young mentor. That's beautiful, isn't it? Because what do we see here? We see not pride, but absolute and utter humility. He says, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst. Now, if you want to forgive yourself your sins, the first first thing you're going to have to do is get Jesus to forgive you. You're going to have to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I am the worst of sinners. That's hard to do. In fact, my experience is this, is that if you have not been converted or if you have not yet surrendered your life to Christ, you cannot say this. In fact, what you will say is, I am a good person. How many have heard that? Maybe you say that. I'm a good person. Everybody knows me as a good person. I never make mistakes. I never do wrong things. I always do right. I, I, I never drive over the lines. I always drive between the lines, Pastor. If it's an orange light, I stop. I never go through an orange light. That's how good I am. And we really think we're really, really quite good. So here's what the Bible says. The Bible tells us clearly, no, you're not. You're not good. There's only one who's good. That's God. In fact, Jesus himself says, don't call anybody good. There's only one that's good, and that's God. The rest of us are in need of God's grace. And here's the power of Paul's message and the power of the gospel, is that God takes those of us who are sinners, and he says, he's mine. God looked at Alan Duncalf, the hit-and-run driver, It says, Alan's mine. Yeah, I know he knocked over the old lady, but I love him. And I forgive him of his sin. Now, I I wish I could say that was the worst thing I ever did in my whole life. But it's not. You see, it's not. You've done worse things than that? Yeah, and it's none of your business. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I don't want to know about the worst things that you've done either. Do you want to know why? Because the only thing that matters is that God knows and that you have brought that to God and you've asked him for his forgiveness. Now, here's what I know. Anybody who walks with God and begins to discover the holiness and the purity and the righteousness of God, they will find themselves saying, along with the Apostle Paul, I am the worst of sinners. So there's Richard Newman and, and I, we're, we're arguing over who's the worst of sinners. Richard will say, no, but Pastor, I'm the worst of sinners. <laughs> no, I am the worst of sinners. But Don overhears a conversation and Don says, hold on a minute, guys. You think that you two are the worst of sinners, but in fact, I'm the worst of sinners. And then Taryn happens to hear Don raising his voice. She says, hold on a minute. I am the worst of sinners. You see what we've got here, folks? We have what we call the company of the redeemed. People who have been set free by Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. Jesus Christ forgives us our sins. 
You don't need to forgive yourself. You need Jesus to forgive you your sins. Hallelujah. And here's what I know. Is that (laughs) what matters ultimately is not whether I forgive me my sin, but that Jesus forgive me my sins. Because Jesus is the great judge whom we will all stand before on judgment day. I will not stand before myself on judgment day. I have a feeling that if I were the judge, I'd let myself off easy. But Jesus is going to ask you a question when you stand before him on judgment day. And the question he's going to ask you is this. Did you believe me? Did you believe in me to take away your sin? He's not going to ask you, did you forgive yourself of your sin? He's going to ask you, did you ask me to forgive you your sin? You see, this is Christianity. This is the gospel. Okay, see, Pastor Allen, I'm, I'm starting to get it now. But what do I do about those nagging feelings of unforgiveness? What do I do with that? Well, first thing you need to understand is that as a follower of Jesus Christ, and again, folks, it's truth. It's truth that transforms you. You need to know the truth. You, this is why you need to be in your Bible. This is why you need to read the Scripture, because the Scripture informs you, informs your mind, and transforms you. This is where your relief is going to come from. It's from knowing the Scripture. And here's what the Bible says about all who put their faith in Jesus. As a follower of Christ, the first thing that you need to understand is this. When you became a Christian, the old you died. And when you became a Christian, the old Anne died. What we have sitting here today, folks, is the brand new Anne. Made new through Jesus Christ. Here's, what, here's how Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You see, we're not in the business of renovating the old you, Nick. I know you're, you, you're an excellent renovator, but guess what? I'm not going to be renovating Nick Hack. What we need is we need God to make a brand new Nick Hack, and Christy says, amen. <laughs> right? This is Christianity 101, folks. You need to get that. You are a brand new person in Christ. And when you become a follower of Christ, your sins don't define who you are anymore. Did you know that? I always hear people talk about it. I used to be a real drinker. I used to be a real alcoholic, a real addict. In fact, some people still call themselves that. But look, if you become a Christian today, you have a new definition, a new de- definition that defines who you are. You are a Christian a Christian. You are defined by Christ. You follow Christ. Christ is who you belong to. And here's a wonderful thing. When God looks at you, who should I pick on now? (laughs) When God looks at you, Kevin, he didn't see Kevin anymore. He sees Jesus. It's true. When God looks at Alan Duncalf, he does not see Alan Duncalf. He sees his son Jesus. Why? Because when I became a Christian, I took on Christ. So Christ doesn't, God doesn't see my sins. He doesn't see. In fact, the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God's removed our sin from us. It's all gone, Robin. It's all gone. When you became a Christian, God looks at you and he sees his son, Jesus. It's brilliant. And what do we know about Jesus? He's perfect. Without sin. That's the gospel, people. 
So what you need is not to forgive yourself, as you need Jesus to forgive you. You need to take on your brand new nature, your brand new person. Because the old you will go on sinning, will go in failing, will go on in weakness, will go on messing things up. The old you is a terrible father, a terrible husband, a terrible wife, a terrible friend. The old you is a disaster. What you need to do is you need to do what the Apostle Paul says. Man, I am, I am in need of Jesus Christ's forgiveness. Because when it comes to sin, I'm the worst. Now, here's a wonderful thing, folks. And by the way, I like to think of myself as something of a relationship expert. When you can humbly admit to the people in your life that you fail, that you've, that you're, you've got weaknesses, when you can humbly admit to the people in your life that you don't always get it right, in fact, a lot of times you get it wrong, guess what's going to happen? Unless they are terribly deluded, they're probably going to forgive you and embrace you and say, hey, you know what? It's okay. I love you. I'm as much in need of God's grace as you are. In fact, I would say this to you today, that it really is impossible to be close to another human being unless the two human beings in question who are trying to be in relationship, unless those two human beings both understand how weak they are and how much they're in need of God's grace. I would say this to you today. If you are struggling in any relationship with your wife, with your children, with your friends, whatever, then what you need to do is you need to, in humility, do what the Apostle Paul does and say, you know what? I don't claim to be perfect. I don't claim to, to never get it wrong. I don't claim to, to never be weak or to never fail or sin. I'll tell you this. I'm in need of God's grace. Do that and watch the transformation in all your relationships. Folks, that's what it means to be part of the family of God. We're a group of people who are not perfect. We're a group of people who have a God who's perfect. We're not a group of people who never make mistakes. We're part of a family whose father never makes mistakes. And so we come together as a company, a family, whatever you want to call it, a family of people who forgive each other based on the fact of our own awareness of our own sin. Now look at this, folks. The focus now is off of you. So i got to forgive myself. No, get your, get your focus off of yourself and get it onto God and onto one another. You see, that uh, we talked about that last week, didn't we? If you want to be happy, forget about yourself. Christianity is all about letting Jesus define who you are. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, Pastor Allen, what if I've sinned after I became a Christian? That's all good. I was a real terrible sinner before I became a Christian. I asked Jesus into my heart, God, forgive me. I'm a brand new creation. But now I've really failed since I became a Christian. I really dropped the ball. I've done things that I'm ashamed of. I've done things I don't want anybody to know about. Okay, just don't panic. Remember this, folks. Well, when you became a Christian, you were saved on that day. You were saved for eternity. The Bible also teaches us that you are being saved. Positionally, as far as God's concerned, before the, the judge of heaven, you are perfect because, because you put on Jesus Christ. But while you're still on this earth, the Bible tells us that you are being saved. You're in the process of being transformed. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12, verse 2, be what? Be transformed by what? By the renewing of our minds. 
It's a process, folks. And so if you have failed and are failing, what you need to do is you need to fly to God, run to him and say, God, I've dropped the ball again. I've messed up again. You say, well, Pastor Allen, I mean, how many times can you do that? Surely my three strikes and I'm out. Where'd you get that from? Is that in Hezekiah chapter 12? It's not in the Bible. Nothing in there about only three times. Well, surely it's 70 times seven. No, that's not even it. How many understand today that the mercy and the grace of God is boundless? There's no end to it. You say, Pastor Allen, that sounds like you're letting me off the hook. (laughs) I'm not letting you off the hook. God is. You say, that sounds like a dangerous kind of Christianity. Folks, it's in the Bible. Read it. See, if you, if you would stop reading books and start reading the Bible, then you would discover the great mercy and love of God. You say, well, Pastor John, it sounds like you're giving me a free pass to sin. Absolutely not. Because here's what I know. That is that if you understand the great love and mercy of God, then you are going to respond to him in love, and you will be brokenhearted every time you fail. But the fact is, as long as you're on this earth, you are going to fail, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to drop the ball. This is why it's critical that we do the first two habits. You need to walk with God every day, and you need to go to church every Sunday. It's part of your spiritual growth and development so that you can learn to be holy. Now look at this, folks. John reminds us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, for it's John 1, 9. That's the kind of God we serve, a God of, of unlimited mercy and of unlimited grace. Now, can I just say something for a minute? Because I, I know that some of you are thinking, well, this sounds like Pastor Allen's giving me a free pass to sin. Oh, no, I'm not. Because you're going to suffer the consequences of your sin. That's just what it is to be on this earth. You don't want to sin. And God has truly gripped your heart. And if you really are born again, you will despise sin. You will hate sin. You'll want no part of it. It will break your heart when you fail God. But know this. God is in the business of forgiving us our sins. Now, I said that Christianity is all about letting Jesus Christ define who we are. Look what Paul says in the next verse here, 1 Timothy 1.16. He says, but for that very reason, and that, what is that reason? For the reason that he is the worst of sinners, he says, for that very reason, I was showing mercy. See that word mercy? I was showing mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, here's what a lot of people don't understand, and this is where a lot of people, for a lot of people, their Christianity goes off the rails, they think that when you became a Christian, it was all about me, and yay, God saved me. Now God's, I can get whatever I want. God's the great Santa Claus in the sky. I bring in my shopping list of things that I want from him, and, uh, and yay, isn't Christianity great? No, listen. When you became a Christian, folks, you signed up to be part of God's family, and God has given clear instructions to his family, and what's, his, what's the job of his family? It's to go out and share his love with the broken and hurting world. 
Now, it's critical that you get that. Because here's what I've discovered. People who are navel-gazing, you know what I mean by that? Constantly inward-focused, thinking about themselves, thinking about themselves, I'm so bad, I'm not a good person, I'm so terrible, I'm, I'm going to go eat some worms, you know, that kind of thing. People are constantly inward-looking, they have no time for anybody else. And here's what Paul's saying in this passage of Scripture. God has forgiven you your sin so that you can go out and help others discover the same forgiveness for their sin. And by the way, next week I'm going to be talking about how to share your faith, and it's very much related to this. Now listen. There's a whole world out there, people waiting for you to come along and to share your story. Yes, including your weaknesses and your failings, warts and all. I'm going to tell you, parents, you really do your kids a disservice when you fail to share with your kids your mistakes. You have set up for your kids this notion or this idea that you, you never had any doubts in your life. You never, you never questioned God even once. You never failed God even once. You have had a perfect life. You've never made a mistake ever. And your kids aren't stupid. They look on at you and they see, what a hypocrite. It's transformational, parents, when you share with your kids your weaknesses. And here's what you're going to discover. You're going to discover that their hearts are full of grace and mercy and love. And it'll be transformational for them personally. Husband and wives, same thing. Stop. Can I use this plumber's term? Stop BSing each other. Stop pretending. Do you remember what a hypocrite is? A hypocrite is an actor. It's somebody who pretends. Stop acting and start owning up to the fact that Jesus Christ has saved you and has forgiven you. Give God the glory and stop taking glory for yourself. You're not the wonderful person that you think you are, but Jesus Christ is. And so we look to God and say, God, thank you for forgiving me my sins. You see, there's people out there who will look at you and they'll say, if God could love Alan, then he can love me. If God could love Paul the murderer, then God can, for, can love me. If God can forgive Paul, if God could forgive Alan, if God could forgive Boyette, then God could forgive me. If God could use Alan in ministry, if God could use Paul in ministry, if God could use Denny in ministry, then God could use me. And the Bible is clear, folks, and you've got to understand this. The Bible is clear that Jesus Christ, when he created you, created you with a special task that only you can do. And so the question is not this, how can I forgive myself, but rather... How can I embrace the forgiveness that God has for me? This is what Christianity is all about. It's all about coming to God and finding his forgiveness. Now, I said last week, the secret to happiness is to not focus on you, is to be dead to yourself. That's the secret to real happiness. It's all about serving others, all about putting others first. When you focus on yourself, here's what I know what happens. You focus on yourself and suddenly you become aware of all your weaknesses, all your failings, and what a loser you are. Thanks, pastor. Just what I wanted to hear on Sunday morning. 
but it's true. When you come to church, we remind you to stop focusing on yourself and start focusing on God. That's what it means to be a Christian. Is that now, now my focus is off of me and on to God, and I begin to worship him and praise him for his faithfulness. You know, as a youth pastor, teenagers are so sensitive and such tender consciences and strong sense of guilt. And I had constantly, I had teenagers say, Pastor, I gotta talk to you, I've sinned. I've really failed God, and I think, I don't think I'm a Christian anymore. I get this all the time. And I thought, man, I could spend my whole life just listening to all these kids come and confess their sins to me. But I'm not a Catholic priest, so I don't want to take confessions. So here's what I learned to do. I said, look at you guys. I will talk to any one of you at any time, day or or night. But you you have to do one thing before you call me. And here's what it's got to be. You've got to go and do your devotions. And if I had a kid come to me with a problem, with a difficulty and sin and anger and hurt and broken, and I can't forgive myself, the first thing I'm going to say is, did you do your devotions today? And nine times out of ten, he would say, or she would say, no, I haven't. Well, I'd say, well, go do your devotions and then call me if you still need to. And here's what I would discover every time after they'd done their devotions, after they'd met with God, after they'd focused on God and got their focus off themselves, they discovered that God is greater and full of mercy and grace and their sins are forgiven. I want to tell you folks, the thing that every one of us is going to face for the rest of our lives until we go to be with Jesus is we're going to face Satan. Do you know what Satan's name means? He's the accuser of the brothers and sisters in Christ. That's who he is. And he's going to keep on accusing you. And he's going to keep on making you think that you've got to forgive yourself. You've got to forgive yourself. No, what you need to do is you need to get your focus off yourself and to Jesus Christ so that when Satan comes along accusing you and saying, you remember when you did that? Remember you said that? Remember how you let your wife down, your children down, your son? Remember that? And you're going to say, Satan, go to hell. Go to hell where you belong. Because Jesus Christ has died on the cross for my sins and my sins have been washed away. You don't need to forgive yourself. You just need to embrace the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has brought you. Hallelujah. Let's stand and pray. Father, thank you so much for the power of your word that reminds us that at the end of the day, we don't need to forgive ourselves. What we really need is to embrace the forgiveness that you've brought to us. We thank you today, God. All of us here, just a room full of people who have really messed up and made a lot of mistakes. It's quite a sobering thought to think that there's not a perfect person here today. Every one of us needs your forgiveness. Every one of us needs your grace. And we pray, God, right now that you give us the wisdom and the power to walk in the grace and the mercy that you've brought to us through Jesus Christ. God, help us, we pray, to be found faithful in sharing with a broken and hurting world There's so many people out there who are so messed up and so guilty, so full of shame. They're waiting for us to come along and say, what Jesus Christ did for me, he can do for you. God, we pray today, use us, 
even as you use the Apostle Paul, the great murderer of the church, use us, O oh God, to bring life and hope and healing to people who have not yet discovered you. And we thank you today for your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, Jesus has forgiven you.